As I said earlier, uh, we're going to be starting a little series on walking with God, and we're going to, there's, there's a very short list of, of men in the Bible where Scripture specifically says that they walked with God. Uh, I know that there are many, many examples of the Bible of those who walked with God, but we're just going to go with the ones that Scripture says walked with God. And we'll start today in Genesis 5, covering Enoch. There's not a whole lot said in Scripture about Enoch, but what is said is significant. And I'll start in the 18th verse and read through the 24th, reading in the ESV version. It says, when Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. We'll move on to other scriptures, but there are a couple of points I want to bring out in this scripture, uh, in this passage of scripture here. We only have about six or seven verses here, but notice it says here that scripture here reveals that Enoch began to walk with God at age 65. After the birth of his first son, Methuselah. And it says he continued to walk with God until God took him up to heaven. I don't know everybody here personally, but however old you are, it's not too late to start walking with God. Sometimes life situations happen to us. We go through the normal course of life. We don't know what will cause that epiphany in our minds. We don't know what will change our perspective. But uh, I can't reach into his heart and figure it out. But at the age of 65, Enoch became a daddy. And being a father, I know how that can actually change you as a person. Now, for the first time, you have something beyond you, something, something more important than your own self-centered existence, right? And so it can posture you in a way that can give you a better perspective about God and how you ought to walk with him and before him. I think there was some significance there. At 65 years of age, he became a daddy. And at 65 years of age, he began to walk with God. And it goes on to say, that Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. So he began at age 65, and he continued walking with God until God took him. That's three centuries of walking with God. When he began his walk with God, he persisted. 
he continued. He was diligent in his walk with the Lord. And he was so, I think there's some other pastors that give us a little bit of uh, insight in there, but I wonder what his walk with God must have, must have looked like or been like for God to say, man, this guy has figured it out. This guy is on it. You know what? He's not even going to see death. I'm just going to take him up to heaven with me. He's going to be here one day, and he's not going to be here. One day I'm going to take him, and he's just going to be up here with me. But he walked with God for 300 years, and God invited him, come on, son, continue this, this blessed, beautiful walk with me, up here with me in heaven. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. This is that one more verse that I want to cover that go a little bit deeper into what the scripture says about Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. So this wasn't a, a death and then God took his spirit up. This, this man was just translated into heaven in the middle of his walk with the Lord. So he was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the writer of this verse, it, it, it reveals two important things about Enoch's walk with God. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. So he walked with God by faith. I mean, you know, the just shall live by faith. He walked with God by faith so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. But he had obtained the witness that before he was taken up. What does it say about him? That he pleased God. So Enoch pleased God. His intimate relationship with God was possible because Enoch did what God wanted him to do. His actions reflected God's will for his life. He didn't decide his actions and ask God to bless him. He let God speak to him, and he inclined his ear to God, and he walked in obedience to, work, to whatever God said to him. What God commanded, he did. What God said not do, he didn't do. Not out of selfish ambition, because he pleased God because it was his heart 
and his heart's desire to please God. And I would encourage you, I, I know what the commandments say. I know the do's and don'ts of scripture. And, and, and it ought to be our objective to live in a manner worthy of the calling that we have in the Lord. We ought to conduct ourselves in a way that honors God. But our motivation has to be deeper than just conforming to the do's and don'ts, right? Our heart's desire should be that we want to please God. He loves us and we love him. We want to please him. So out of our desire to please him, that puts us in a humble posture where we incline our ear to hear him. We open our heart to what he says with a purpose to do. What he, wants, what he wants us to do. Are you hearing me? Enoch's testimony was that he pleased God. And uh, that was one thing. The second thing is Enoch was faithful to God. It says here, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he pleased God because he walked with God in faith. Another way of saying that is he had a faith. His faith and his faith walk was pleasing to God. I see a lot of things going on in this generation, in this day and time. From those of us who profess Christ, but, the, but, but we express our faith in a way that is not pleasing to him. I didn't get any amens on that. But it's all right. It's important for me to tell you as pastor here, it's important for me to challenge the body of Christ in this way. Right? There are Because there are a lot of voices out there that are vying. This is not the first time I've heard, I've said it. And I hope your eyes don't glaze over with me saying it again. But there are a lot of voices out there that are vying for our hearts. that are part of those cares of life, that will choke the word and not allow it to be productive in our lives if we let it. And we've got to guard our hearts with all diligence, as the scripture says, for out of it flows the issues of life, right? And so if we're going to walk with God, then we're going to need to walk with God in a manner that is pleasing to him. That, that, that's the thing that we need to learn from Enoch today. That, that our objective here is not just to get through life. It's not just to do good. It's not, it's, yes, we want to do good, but what is our reason for it? What, what is our driving force? What is the thing that is propelling us to do these things? It ought to come out of a love for God and a desire to please him. Because we're in a relationship with God. He's not just off in the distance, right, with stuff written on tablets, and saying, do it, and if you don't do it, it's over for you, right? He sent his only begotten son to die for us on the cross. Okay? That's how much he loves us. That's how much he is for us. All right? When he created Adam and Eve, the Bible says of them, you know, they would walk with God in the garden every day. From the very beginning of creation, it was God's desire that we walk with him. So this isn't just 
the Christian life. This isn't just, uh, you know, a, a religion. This is a personal and intimate walk with our creator and the lover of our souls. Almighty God. Are you hearing that? So Enoch pleased God and he walked with God in faith. And I believe we fail if we don't teach, if I don't teach but, uh, 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 this body, if I don't teach those whom God has given me the ability to influence their lives, to, 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 to preach his word, you know, it's incumbent upon me. I have an, ob an obligation and a duty before God to speak the unadulterated truth of God's word. And it is the, the responsibility of all of us when the word of truth is spoken that we do something with that, 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 that we receive it with humility and with a commitment towards God, that we want to take this truth and, and by the grace of God, have it become a living reality in my life to the pleasing of God, my Father. You know, I, I love the goals of, hey, let's read the Bible in a year. That's great. Let's, let's, let, 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 let's do these Bible plans, and, and, and we got to get so much read in a day. You know what? I'm not going to discourage you from doing that, but I would encourage you this way. All right? I, I would rather you have a passage of Scripture that, 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 that God is dealing with you on. If he's speaking to you on a passage of Scripture, stick with that passage of Scripture all week, two weeks, all month. All right, because God is dealing with you in that scripture for a reason. You, you, you may not know exactly what God is trying to do yet, but, as, but in due time you will. I'd rather, you, I'd rather God speak to you out of one passage, and it takes you a month to get it, than for you to read the whole Bible in the year and not get much out of it. Because we're walking with God. And in that intimate walk with God, he is speaking. He's intimately familiar with the issues of your life. He's intimately familiar with where you are in your spiritual walk and what you need in the moment, in that season, in the current season of your life, in order for you to mature, uh, in order for you to mature in your walk with him and in preparation for where he's, he has for you to go. And so it's not always, it's not quantity, it's quality. And that, that's what I love about what I believe is the uh, testimony here of Enoch. He was pleasing to God. Please understand this. And this is a repetition, but please understand this. Faith that pleases God is what is required of us as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not necessarily what we call faith, you know, but faith that pleases God. We're going to have to know what thus said the word of God, and we're going to have to know the heart of God, which he has revealed to us in his word. Remember our profession. Remember our profession of faith when we receive the salvation of the Lord. We proclaim and accept Jesus as Savior and Lord of our lives. Pastor CJ used to say, 
you know, we didn't just, God didn't want us to just get fire insurance. Right? He's not just the Savior to save us from hell, but he's Lord of our lives. And, 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 if, we, and if when you came to Christ, the person who led you to a profession of salvation did not, and did not encourage you to profess him as Savior and Lord, allow me to tell you that that was an incomplete profession. Right? The profession of faith is that Christ is Lord of all. Right? He's the only begotten Son of God. He fulfilled the requirements of the law. Right? He is our Savior and He is our Lord. And we are to be His disciples. Disciples are learners, followers. Okay, teach, Lord. Speak, Lord, what my instructions are, what you would have me to do. And as a disciple, it is my responsibility to do what the teacher says. Amen? So He's Lord, He's King. He's master. And I, I, I know he's friend, but don't get it twisted. All right? He, he, th 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 there is a hierarchy, right? <laughs> he, he, he is Lord. What a friend we have in Jesus. But, but don't you let the friend title pull him down from his lordship title. All right? He is Lord. Savior and Lord. Not one or the other, but both. Why, why, why do I say that? It's one thing to say that Jesus is Messiah, that he's the Savior of the world. It, 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 it's another thing to live under his authority and obey his will. is what is required of us. I want to go to the book of Micah. I've only got another about another hour of material, so Y'all are good. <laughs> All right, man. I like that. This is an auction, okay? An hour, half an hour and a half. Anybody want two hours? I got people hiding their faces out there. Please, God, no. You know, Enoch lived before the great flood, before the time of Noah. And we've already read what scripture says concerning Enoch. Micah 6, I uh, really want 6 verse 8, but uh, I think uh, the, the two preceding verses uh, I feel like uh, we're important to include. And it says here, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 
10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? These are questions to varying degrees that we ask. What does God require of us? What do I have of value that I can bring to the Lord that will be acceptable to him? And God's saying, it, it, it's not about what you can bring before me, how many calves you got, how much oil you have, how much, uh, 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 how much provision that you have that you can bring before the Lord. You can have the finest calves to sacrifice before the Lord. You can have all the resources in the world and, 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 be, and give half of it to the Lord uh, to, to serve his kingdom and everything. But, 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 but that, while it's good, it, it's not exactly what God wants our focus to be. He says in verse 8, it's very simple. And it's a very commonly known verse. This is not some new uh, verse that a lot of you have never heard of before, but it's, it, it's very important. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? We want to do great things for God so much and, and, and I'm not going to, to poo-poo that. I'm not going to say, you know, you shouldn't aspire to do great things for God. But as long as what you're aspiring to do is, is generated from what God has told you to do. Uh, we don't want to be aspiring to do great things for God out of our own soul and God is has not spoken to us or is not leading us to do what we're doing because we're supposed to be pleasing him right and, and, and it may not be you know what uh, Pastor Dale has said this many times uh, God spoke from heaven when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist he hadn't even started his ministry yet but he said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Before he laid hands on anyone and healed them. Before he performed any great miracle. Before the world knew who he was. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Because up, up to that point, you can tell when he was just a little boy of 12 years old. When they lost him, they couldn't find him. They didn't know where he was. They found him in the temple. Asking questions. And when they asked him, what was wrong with you, boy? Why are you just going to drift off? You had me scared to death. And he said, did you not realize I had to be about my father's business? I, I, I got to please God. I have a heart to pursue him. I, I want to know his word because my life belongs to him. And, you know, and, and, and I'm sorry I didn't consider you know, what emotional state I might have been in. I was so locked in on, on, on pursuing God and, 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 the, and the pursuit of pleasing him that, that, that I couldn't help but come into the house of the Lord and, and, and learn all I could about his word. 
There's not a lot of verses about what he did between then and when he started his ministry, but 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 what he did, we know it pleased God. And God declared him pleasing to him before he set out on his three-year ministry. You don't have to do great things in the eyes of man in order to please God. Whatever it is that God has for you to do, you know, you get you position yourself where you have quiet time with God. You 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 read God's word to let God's word speak to you. You pray to God, not with just doing all the talking. Uh, you have some quiet time in that prayer to let God speak to you. We want God to speak with us because each day is a faith walk with God and God has a, a will for us. He has his will for us in each day. And, and, and we ought to start every day. Okay, God, what is your will for me today? Speak to me, Lord, what you would have me do. How do you... How, what do you want to do in me in this, in this faith walk journey that we're on today? Uh, I've got some things that I want to get accomplished. And, and Lord, I'm, I'm praying for your grace there and your provision there. But those things are secondary to what you want to do and accomplish in me and in my life today. That, 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 that's the attitude and that's the posture that we should adopt. If we do that, then we are setting ourselves up, positioning ourselves to hear the voice of God. You know, and it's not hard to hear God if we are inclining our ear to listen. And I'm not necessarily saying an audible voice, although God can speak to you that way. But, but I'm not necessarily saying an audible voice. God can quicken his word to you in a way that speaks directly into your heart concerning your situation. God can bring a word to you from someone else. And like I tell people, you need to be seeking God. You need to be hearing God so that when someone else brings a word to you, it's a confirmation to what God has said. But these three things, it says to act justly. Definition that I found for that is uh, uh, what is justice or, or acting justly, characterized by being impartial and or fair-minded, not being a respecter of persons. We have to really be careful, man, because we are divided along so many lines. Depending on what side of the track you live on. You are a respecter of persons. Those on the east side of the track have judgments about those on the west side. <laughs> and, 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 and likewise. Those on one end of the ideological spectrum have judgments against someone on the other side and vice versa. Those on one side of the political spectrum have judgments about the other side and vice versa. Ooh. He is injecting politics. No, I'm not. Y'all know me. 
I get humbled at home all the time. You know, there was a time when I used to talk about that stuff in unhealthy amounts and uh, wax all hot and get on my soapbox and and everybody in the house would just run for cover. They go to they they go isolate in some room because daddy is on one again. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't want to get pulled into this thing, you know. And so uh, I don't think they were honoring their father <laughs> or, or, or being very loving to hubby at that time. But uh, I've forgiven them for that. God is good. But uh, we just have to... When I, when the, uh, shortly after I first became pastor here, and we had a, the, the societal climate, there was a lot of uh, racial strife, and it was, and it was, it was pretty hot, and, and I just came out, and I just felt like the way the Lord led me and wired me to deal with these things is not to avoid them, you know, lean into them and address them. And, and I really just challenged us as a body, you know, to, to remember our priorities uh, uh, in the Lord. And, I, and I, I said that here I am as a black man who replaced another black man who was pastor of this church, right? And we had an elder board of all white men, right, who were who, uh, before God, felt like God was calling me to be the pastor of this church, which is a diverse church, right? Predominantly white, but a diverse church, right? And, and I was like, look, just because things are the way they are out there does not mean that that's how it ought to be in here as representatives of the kingdom of God. You know? And I said, I said here a black man, but I am a son of God first. I'm an American, but I am a child of God first. And I challenge and encourage us all to recognize that whatever your ethnicity is, whatever your race is, whatever your political persuasion is, whatever your economical status and so forth is, there are many things that we embrace as identity that aren't not to, ought not to be our identity. Our identity is defined by the one who created us, the one who saved us to the utmost, all right? And so we have to remind ourselves that that is who we are, and it is him first to which we have our obligation. Our conduct should be to the glory and honor of him. And if everybody did that, see, then you see the, 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 the beauty and wonder uh, of the miraculous unity that is available to us in the body of Christ in the spirit of God. We ought to be a shining example of what it is like to walk in unity despite all the differences that are represented among us. Are you hearing me? And so don't allow, let's not allow ourselves to be pulled down certain rabbit holes that will divide and conquer the body, right? Uh, do your civic duty. Vote your consciences and do all those things. Have, you know, you can have your ideologies in a certain way that you think the world works, but 
you better have a humble heart about it because I guarantee you that God's going to challenge your theology. He's going to challenge your ideology. He's going to challenge your belief systems, right? Because wherever it is not in line with him, it is his heart. He's going to deal with you to bring you in line with his truth. And as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to walk humbly with him and, and, and realize that, you know what, I'm not going to clutch a hold of these things with a death grip. Uh, if God's dealing with me with something, if he reveals things about me or things that are about the way I believe or things about my perspective, if he reveals to me these things that are not in line with his way or his will or his truth, then I've got to be willing to let those things go. I've got to be like Paul and count all that stuff as dumb compared to the excellency of knowing Christ and walking with him. Because my walk with Christ means everything. And so if justice matters to me, if justice matters to God, then it matters to me. And if he says, be impartial, don't have partiality, then we better have, then, then we better obey him. You know, uh, if you're, uh, if you're a, a person who Obama could do no wrong, but Bush could do no right, you're partial. If, if you're a person that Trump could do no wrong and Biden can do no right, you're partial, we better check our hearts and make sure, okay, God, my heart, I, I need to check my heart here because I can't, you know, uh, stuff that didn't bother me with one guy bothers me with another. I, 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 I'm, I'm looking at a John that style with others, and I'm not scrutinizing the other. I, I need to think like a, like a child of God here. Because my affiliation with the Lord as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven overrides all of it. And at the end of the day, what matters is whether my thoughts, my attitude, my conduct, my actions, the way that I treat others, the way that I regard others, whether it pleases the heart of God. And God is not, it's not hard to find out because God's word is, is laid out before us. Uh, I, I hope y'all hear the heart of that. I'm not, I'm not telling you who to vote for or who not to vote for. I, I'm, telling you, I'm telling you to put it in its proper place. Because regardless of who you vote for and so forth, you just realize you're an ambassador for Christ. And you know what? Jesus died for conservatives and liberals. Uh, he, he, he died for people who live in every country. He died for the wealthy and the poor. And so let's be discriminating, let's be careful, let's be cautious about how we speak the venom that we spew to others. Because remember, out of the same mouth should not come blessing and cursing. I mean, does this mouth belong to God? Or doesn't it? When Chrissy doesn't want to hear me on my soapbox, 
Does my mind belong to God or not? I could could walk in judgment there. I feel judged in those moments too, but that's another thing. I didn't say you were being partial. I just said I felt judged. No, but as conflict arises, as our cackles get up, as things really challenge our, uh, you know, our worldview or our perspective, how do we respond in that moment? And, and what is it that drives our response? We, we have to examine ourselves, as Scripture says, to see if we are of the faith in that area, right? And so, so, it, so I'm challenging us to do just that. So uh, it says, do justly, love mercy. Okay, love mercy. Uh, the Hebrew word for that is keset. It's pretty much the closest Old Testament equivalent to the word grace in the New Testament. You know? And so, uh, among other things, it means piety, kindness, favor, merciful, pity, compassion. All those things. The verse here doesn't just tell us to have mercy, though, does it? Doesn't just say to have mercy. It doesn't just say to be merciful. What does it say? It says that we're supposed to love mercy. Love it. What does that mean? I mean, we 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 ought to be we ought to be looking for opportunities. All right? We ought to love it to see the mercy of God on display out there. Amen. It always blows my mind. Jesus on the one hand. He says, you know, do you not think I can call down legions of angels to defend me? You you ain't got power over me. I could do this. But he didn't because he's pleasing the Father. That was his priority. He was there to die for us. Right? But I remember, and I was guilty of this myself, boy, but we as his followers, boy, we we be calling down the angels' army, the angelic army of God. We want you to wipe stuff out. But, But he was our example, wasn't he? He was our model. God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. God is long-suffering because he's dealing with the hearts of even those who haven't given their hearts to him yet. Right? And, And he wants our hearts to be in league with his and see them as those whom Christ died for and he dearly loves. They're, they're just, hopefully and prayerfully, they are, uh, they are saved kids in waiting. They're not, they're not saved yet, but by faith, we're speaking those things that are not as though they are. We're believing God for their salvation. Uh, they might die having rejected the gift, never having accepted the gift of salvation, but we're going to continue believing for them as long as they have breath in their bodies. Why? Not, not, not to for any status on our part because that's the heart of our God. I hope we are agreed on that. But we are to love mercy. Concerning the needs or conditions of people in our society, godly mercy demands more of us than just an outward act of kindness. We learn 
learned when we were raising our kids under Growing Kids God's Way that, you know, how important it was to reach the heart of our kid with those truths. Because we were bigger than them, we were stronger than them. Uh, because I said so, I love that. I can just say, oh yeah, you're going to do it. Try me. And I could, I could force compliance and they might do it on the outside, but in their hearts they're rebelling. And he wants our hearts. Right? And and we ought to fully give him our hearts. So this loving of mercy that is required of us is not just the outward act of kindness. Godly mercy demands an outward act of kindness that flows from an inward disposition of the heart. An inward disposition, i.e. love, compassion, empathy. The love of Christ compels us, as the apostle said. See, there's something compelling us to do what we do. We're not just doing it because it's a good idea. We're not just doing it just to be nice. It's the love of Christ at operation in us, and it is compelling us to do these acts of love and kindness towards you. Godly mercy demands that the outward acts of kindness flow from an inward disposition of the heart centered in love, compassion, and empathy. Let those things compel the outward action. As Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Notice, it didn't just say, do good to the choir. Do good to those who are of the faith. Let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I think, uh, and I, 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 I tweeted this the other day. Yes, your pastor tweets once, maybe every two months or something. But I tweet. <laughs> and uh, and I guess it was just it was in line with what God has been dealing with me along this walking with God and and I just I just felt led to tweet it that as a, that the church we need to rediscover what it means to walk with God. It's just a walk. I think we misunderstand misunderstand or, 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 or miss the true goal um, sometimes and, and and I get it this isn't just this isn't condemnation this is just to awaken us and get us to thinking the goal of our life here on this earth before God we are satisfied oftentimes by doing good. We feel good when we do good deeds. It, you know, it, it, makes us, it makes us feel good. It makes us, uh, it energizes us. 
Um, some of us would, you know, commit to serve on a foreign mission field, and that's great. But I want to challenge us today to not be quite as focused on prioritizing those things. Those, those things will be a natural byproduct. Their good deeds are going to flow out of, if we do what God wants us to do in, in, in pursuing him and walking with him, we're going to do good deeds. It's going to compel us. We're going to go where God wants us to go, whether it's the foreign mission field, abroad, around the world somewhere, or if it's uh, some other place here in this country or right where God has you right now. But I just believe our spiritual goal or objective should be to know, discover, to grow in how to walk with God. Because it's in that walk with God that he speaks to us, that he directs us. There is that back and forth. There is that exchange of dialogue with God. We take our cares to him. He's, a, he's walking right. He's walking with us. He's leading me along this path. But I'm, I'm walking with him. I'm yoked up with him. And when there's a fork in the road, guess what? I'm leaning on my Savior. All right? Right. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. Well, you know what? That side over there got poison ivy and weeds along this thing. I, I see stuff crawling over there. This one, you know, there's a rainbow in the background, sun, birds are chirping. Everything is all beautiful. You know what? I'm going to go this way. God bless, bless me along this path. Right? And, and when, when God very well might have wanted us to go on the left fork where all that stuff was that, that, that makes us uncomfortable. And we ought to be, it ought to, it ought to matter to us. And, and, and we ought to want and desire to be in the will of God more than be, what, be where we want to be. You know what? The safest place, whether you, you I, don't work, I don't care where God calls you, the safest place, God, that you can be is in the will of God. So you can walk the path with the poison ivory and the, and the, the ivy and the snakes and, and, and the weeds and all that other stuff. You can walk that path, but if God's with you, you have nothing to fear. But woe be unto you if you're on the path that is paved with roses and it's not God's will for you to be on that path. All right? So, so let's focus on walking with God and letting God have the steering wheel. Or if that analogy doesn't work, we may have our hands on the steering wheel, but God is our GPS. All right. <laughs> he says left, we go left. We make a wrong turn, what's God going to say? Recalculate it. In other words, God is directing our path. That should be uh, that target uh, that we pursue. And th this may not be 
on the heels of what I just said, uh, our, 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 our goal should be to walk with God. That's that goal in front of us. But it's what, I, it's what came to mind. I just trust that God gave it to me. Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14. Now, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, let walking with God be that goal that you're pressing toward. Regardless of how old you are, all of us represent different levels of uh, maturity. From teenager to, I don't know, to 90. Anybody above 90 here? Anybody close to 90? Oh, got, <laughs> got one over there. <laughs> Enoch started at age 65. Walked with God for 300 years before God took him. Begin walking. If you're not walking with God, begin walking with God today. And walk with God as long as there's breath in your body. Put that goal out in front of you. Let that be a daily uh, objective uh, of prayer. May not be the only thing, but include that. And let that be, you know, let that be that thing in the background that's always a part of your pursuit with God. I want to walk with you, God. I'm endeavoring to walk with you. Teach me how to do that. Show me how to do that to a greater degree. 